but we have had like a completely steady stream of people and people play the game. I think it's a good sign when like even people who like don't look that interested, but you shove an iPad at them and then they end up like, oh, this is actually like cool. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys don't have them tethered. As soon as I saw it, I, I like. I'm not going to steal this, but I, I feel like I shouldn't be walking around with it like this. It's funny because I asked a lot of people, well, do you guys use security devices like the other devs? And everyone was like, nah, no, it's fine. Everybody's great there. It's so By and large, you can kind of trust the PAX audience uh, to not kind of screw you over in that way. But uh, So I was playing the game. Um, for, for the people at home... Give, me, give, give us the sort of the top-level pitch of what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, so this is a uh, stealth puzzle game in which you get to play a telepathic art thief. So the idea is that you can read the minds of the AI, and specifically what you're reading is um, where they think you are, based on where they last saw you, kind right. of thing. So it's like a lot of stealth games that have the um, uh, sort of the, the last known position uh, as, as something that is visible to the player. But it's actually way beyond most stealth games in the sense that once they do investigate or look at the last place, they have, uh, they're have they really smart about figuring out where you might have gone from there. So they are really very methodical in searching the space and, and basically hunting you down. Um, and, and you can you basically see all of that through this like amorphous red glow that sort of ebbs and flows based on what they know and what, where you are, that kind of thing. So you, you come from working on, on much bigger games before this. You worked on the Halo series. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. So how, how long were you involved in working on these much larger productions? I mean, yeah, overall, seven, eight years kind of thing. I was on Halo for I was on Halo 2, 3, and uh, a little bit of ODST. Uh, also, on uh, I was uh, for a year working on Destiny before Destiny was Destiny, <laughs> uh, when we were just a tiny little prototyping team of, like, seven or eight people. Um so early days uh, and then I also worked on Bioshock Infinite actually for uh, a short time uh, about a year ago uh, also doing the AI for, for them or sorry not doing the AI for them as in contributing to the AI for them sorry You're the because, one AI guy and then well, let me just say it was all fucked up and then I arrived and I put things in order so that's, that, that's, a, that's a joke that's a joke <laughs> um what, what prompted you to, to get out of working on those larger games and to start working on smaller stuff? Um, yeah, uh, oh, when like like all kinds of all kinds of things. I mean, um, large games are so. So I should just say like I love working on both. Actually, I mean like the big games are, are so incredible for like what you're able to do with an army of 300 people. Uh, the small games are cool because uh, you know they're so much more personal, and um, I, I I really love working on a game that is. I mean, to me, very personal, you know, like, I, I get to write the story of it, I get to do the high-level design of it, and, uh, as well as doing all of the programming and, and so on, so um, there's something nice about just a tiny package that you can sort of, you know, between three to five people, you can actually get this thing done, so, um, so yeah, and of course, we're also completely inspired by the, uh, the other indie stuff, which, you know, uh, I think the quality bar of, of the indie offerings has just, like, Compared to like four or five years ago, it's just like absolutely skyrocketed. It's just it's absolutely stunning. So I, I'm still super amazed just walking around the the mega booth and the the showcase. What people are able to do with these tiny little teams is just incredible. So yeah, that was a long winded answer, but basically <laughs> many reasons for doing small games. Well, it's, there there's, there's, seems to be no better time than right now between the amount of distribution platforms, uh, the interest in these kinds of games for. You know, people that are a little, you know, burnt out or want to take a break, 
and do something smaller, more personal, you, you can do it and make a living off of it. You know, it's, it doesn't have to just be the passion project on the side. You can actually sell it and find an audience that's, that's willing to give you money to experience it as well. Well, making a living on it is still very challenging, and um, yeah, I, it's like I, it's, it's unquotes making a living, making, making get, a, getting by, making a pseudo living. Yeah, no, I mean a lot of a lot of uh, 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 people that I know do something similar to, to to me. You know, like I make a small game, and then I also do contracts for larger shops, and so you know, through a combination of personal projects and your own, and 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 contract projects, I think that is a a fine way a fine way to make a living. Um, the the pa- the passion projects are are great. I, I I don't I don't you know unless you kind of win the lottery and and uh, you're you're like a Minecraft or, or something like that or, or or a John Blow and do braid. It's um it's really tough to get by on passion projects and it, which I think by the way is just like any other business. Yeah. Like if you're an indie movie maker. I mean, you're probably not making a living on that. Um, uh, not, or, not everyone is Kevin Smith and then has clerks and then goes on, you know, to become a, a big thing. And now he makes a living doing, like, uh, making a, uh, doing a... Uh, he just a, does, like, a, podcasts a, and stuff podcasts like that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> exactly. He, he, he did the he, dream full circle. Exactly, exactly right, yeah. Um, so one thing that, that kind of caught my eye about this was uh, they were telling me that some of the the AI stuff that you were doing on the Halo series kind of formed the basis for the main mechanic. I wonder if you could kind of illuminate what what exactly that means. Yeah, actually, that's it's, it's actually not quite true. I mean, the um, uh, I I made the very first prototype of this game um, about a year before I ever joined Bungie when I was actually still in graduate school. So uh, this this is actually way back from my from my student days. Oh wow! Uh, that I that I first made the the system for the, the telepathy. You know the um, yeah the, the glowing red that represents their their predictions of where you are. Um, and when I went to so when I went to Bungie, Bungie does Bungie did uh, even in the early days, even on Halo One, did sort of like a, a sort of last known position kind of kind of kind of thing. And so there, there were some similar issues, but like we never we never went all the way to doing um, this kind of system. I I think this system is actually kind of more more advanced in certain ways than the simply the last known position. Um, but uh, the thing of it is that it's also more expensive. So in a big in a, <laughs> right. in a big game like Halo, um, you can't really afford like the thousand ray casts or whatever that you would actually need to. To, to, to run this kind of algorithm on 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 that game, so you just ironically, if you build a small game around the idea, you can afford to do you can afford to run the algorithm. If you if you if it's sort of like an extra for for a Halo game, you you can't do it so much. So what so what caused this game or this idea or this mechanic to stick with you so long? You know, a lot of a lot of times maybe you'll make it, you'll see, all right, I learned my lessons from kind of prototyping that out. What what stuck with this so long that you know seven years later you want you're seeing it through right now? Oh, that's such, that's such a great question actually. Um, I so I, I I did some writing about it in sort of the academic circles uh, about this about this particular technique and and I always hoped that someone would pick it up. Um, and um, so if you didn't make the game, you just wanted someone to make the game exactly, so you could play it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so it turns out that I do know a couple of games, triple uh, A games that have used that technique, but none that have actually like sort of. Um, made made it overt, like made made the game like actually uh, render the the visualization. So, um, uh, one, one thing that's true, like, and I think all AI programmers uh, feel this, 
um, when you work on a big AI system, you have all these really cool debugging modes that when you want to figure out, hey, the AI did something stupid, what was going on, you turn on these debugging modes, and all of a sudden you can see, you know, oh, what is their current path, what is their vision cone, what are the five objects that are most, uh, they're, they're most attending to in the environment, who's their current target, etc. And I think every AI programmer, everyone, you know, every once in a while sits back and is like, man, it would be awesome to make a game in which this is the game, like, because it's such an interesting, rich channel of information, like, so much is going on, and visually it's just very interesting. So, in some sense, this is this is that game. This is Finally, that. it's like I, it's like I made a game about debugging AI. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's literally what it is. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, there's some similarities with what you're doing uh, and like a game like Mark of the Ninja, where yeah, 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 uh, in yeah. terms of taking information and systems that are driving the AI and pushing the player in certain directions and surfacing that in a way that doesn't necessarily feel like you're just pushing data to the surface, but, you're, yeah. but the way you're presenting that data is a in a way so that the player can make more meaningful choices. Absolutely. As yeah. opposed to, you know, like the stealth genre constantly having that issue of not quite knowing, you know, it's not trial and error, and you're you're feeling out. Those data points are in there, but the game doesn't surface it. And it's interesting to watch a game like that or what you're trying to do, uh, kind of going at that idea or challenge from the same from different directions but it's kind of going after the same thing of all this stuff is happening in the background what can we surface to make the experience for players more interesting so they can make more meaningful choices yeah absolutely i mean you, you i mean you'll 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 notice that we like went so far as to, to to work it very deeply into the fiction of the game like you have telepathy in the game and that <laughs> is the fictional basis for why you're able to see all this stuff so i can see why like i mean if you're talking about halo or call of duty like you know it's a tough sell to tell someone like why you can get all this random information and, and make use of it so right. um so yeah i mean I, it's not surprising to me that like the, the games that have done stuff like that have done so sort of as the basis of a new franchise. Right. You know, you know what I mean, rather than working it into some uh, more uh, more more conventional genre, I should, I should say. So uh, when are, when are you looking to to wrap it up? When are people going to have a chance to play it? Pretty soon, actually. Uh, we're probably two months, I imagine, from from being on the App Store, and we're going to be on iPad uh, iPad only initially, but then we're going to try and work it onto uh, iPhone and Android, and uh, you know, God willing, other platforms. So are you going to try and get it on uh, like traditional PCs, or are you just mostly looking at? sort of mobile platforms right now no I would like to do PCs as well I mean I think the the the, the most ready ports would probably be to uh, to Android and to you know to the other touch but uh, but no I mean we, I, it, you come to an event like this and everybody wants to know if you're going to be on Steam or not so right. uh, the answer goes from maybe to yes <laughs> yes yeah, we we'll, we'll figure that we out will, we'll we find will a way do, to make that work we will do whatever it takes yeah exactly so